introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. So I took some time off, as you probably figured out. Hopefully some of you caught up in some old interviews, and hopefully some of you just are now discovering me after a wonderful weekend of Texas Thespian Educator Conference, the TTEC, down here in Houston. In hindsight, I shouldn't have commuted because I uh, wanted to stay and partay with some of you educator folks. Um, some things to discuss before we get into this week's interview with Miss Kendra Willoughby, who is the IE queen. She's who everybody goes to for individual events, and she ballots and or excuse me tabs uh, with a whole team of people, a huge team of people. And uh, some of you guys just have no idea what goes into that and what goes into making sure that those those results are posted in a timely manner. You probably remember way back in the day, it wasn't as such. Things weren't posted so quickly. You had to wait for your uh, information for your from your ballots from the judges. It was just not as streamlined as it is now, and, and it's and it's a science. And even the nationals people kind of uh, rely on Kendra. But we'll hear from Kendra. She is the first interviewee to make me cry during the interview. And it's all my fault because I asked her about one of her former students uh, that uh, uh, he, he's not dead, but <laughs> I asked her about one of her former students and the impact this kid had on her because I knew where the story would go. Uh, but Kendra's also a hiker. Uh, it would have been better to say a hiker, a biker, a triker, but she's a hiker. She is a, 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 just a woman that has all kinds of talents. She's a journalist, that kind of stuff. So uh, anyway, before we get to the interview, I do want to let you know why I was on hiatus. It's no bad reason or anything like that. I was just um, starting to get a little burned out. Speaking of burned out, I... Uh, I'm burned out with my career currently, and this is not news to people. A lot of people know this information, my principal, my boss, uh, and uh, they know that it's time for me to make a change, and it has nothing to do with people, unless I count as people. I just need to go back to professional world. So the reason I took the hiatus is because I started questioning, questioning there are 12 ends in that. I started questioning my relevance to why should I make a podcast about theater educators if I'm about to leave theater education. Uh, and then I thought, you know, maybe I'm not going to leave theater education. Maybe this is one way that I continue to stay in and uh, relevant in theater education. And so I decided let's bring it back. I also hope to workshop and come into schools and do what I do best, and that is spend an hour with kids and then leave. My problem in the classroom is that I'm in the classroom day after day, and I, I just don't have the brain, the, the, the power in my brain to think of what needs to be done day in and day out in the classroom. Put me in production season, put me in musical season, and I am just fine, very comfortable, Kids learn a lot in those sort of environments, but 
having to show a PowerPoint, do differentiated instruction, and follow the TEKS and all that stuff. I think most theater teachers can understand where I'm coming from with that. But I've decided to step away, at least in the meantime. Yes, I have an administrative administration degree. Yes, I could go into that world. But right now, before I dive into that, dive into the dark side, I'm going to take a step back and um, go into professional world. I've already talked to a couple companies about potentially coming in as sort of a consultant and uh, infiltrating a couple of schools as a member of that company, as a representative of that company, not necessarily sales, but making the company look good through workshops and having a, a, a staff, if you will, of people that can go into these places, professionals that work with these kids because teachers start to kind of get away, start to move away from the professional world and start to lose that kind of uh, connection that they have with what is relevant right now out in the real world. There are teachers out there that do a lot in their community and uh, outside of the walls of their school. The first name that comes to mind is a guy like Steve Carpentier, Blake Weir. Uh, those guys, you know, do a lot outside of there. Uh, Sammy McManus, who's an alum of this pod, has her own theater company. So there are some people that still do things to try and stay relevant and understand how theater's currently working, but I'm not one of those people. Uh, I do my best, but because I have a family, I have two beautiful daughters, I am a girl dad, uh, I want to be home with them as much as possible. And I can't do that teaching high school and trying to also work professionally. So I'm going to choose one for right now, do what I did years ago when I was teaching with Pam Wilson and left and went on tour with Straight No Chaser. Sorry, Nicole. Uh, I'm going to just take a step back and go back to the professional world and see how that goes and maybe one day grace the classroom with my presence yet again. Another thing that I wanted to discuss is, or, or something that made me apprehensive to even come back was sort of where theater education podcasts have now gone. Um, Fed Talks is the OG. And I want to shout out to Fed Talks to Jimmy and uh, um, uh, to to Mr. Christman. And Fed Talks is, is the, the first podcast that did this. Uh, but Fed Talks was doing this on a, a more national level, trying to get uh, national people in. And my niche audience and my niche idea, my, my drive for this podcast was Texas theater. And so I started it. And now we have After Peace, we have Teacher Needs a Drink, and I think the void has been filled now. After Peace is now starting to slowly turn into an interview podcast. Teacher Needs a Drink is an interview podcast with alias names because the stories they tell, although fun, could get them in a lot of trouble. And trust me, I don't have the energy that Matt Ludlam has to put in the marketing to put in the social media, all that stuff. I, I don't have the time or the energy. That is what he does, and obviously he does it very, very well. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't be at every convention hustling some swag and doing a hell of a job with it. So it's not to say I don't want these podcasts around, but I started thinking, why should I stick around? If Afterpiece, which is doing very well, is going to start diving into interviews, uh, teacher Needs a Drink is obviously interviews, and then Fed Talks has been around. And I'm sure there are others, but 
I don't know who you are. So I started second guessing myself and thinking, is minor wisdom even relevant? Does it, does it need to be here? And then you have people like Julio and Stewart and people like that, that start to kind of like say, where, where have you been? What are you doing? Why aren't you doing this? Uh, and you know, it starts to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Thank you, Stewart and Julio. Uh, you've got people like Jared Berry, uh, who are people that are passionate about just learning everything they need to learn about theater education. And so this podcast helps that, uh, because we're getting to know these people. You don't need to get to know me. People know me, uh, according to one person at the educator conference this weekend, I am a nice asshole. Uh, thank you. Whoever put that in my wife wasn't at the convention, so I'm assuming it's not her. Anyway, I don't want to keep you waiting with Kendra Willoughby's uh, amazing interview. I want you to hear this amazing interview. Uh, Let's start off with a bang. Let's start off with a good cry. Uh, If you were sitting there and uh, Adam Delka was sitting with us because I interviewed him as well, so he stuck around. You'll hear that interview uh, either next week or the week after. But Adam um, also was tearing up and he's heard the story a million times. He's one of Kendra's best friends. So uh, I want to thank Kendra for just being very, very vulnerable uh, and allowing herself to get emotional. And if you know Kendra, she does get emotional, but that's something that she's allowing you to see. She could do it behind closed doors if you wanted to. All that being said, let's skip the groaner joke of the week and let's go straight into the interview with Miss Kendra Willoughby. Um, so I have an interesting story um, as far as how I became a theater educator. I made a really important life decision. Well, actually, let's, let's back up before that. I, um, I grew up in the theater. My grandparents um, were huge theater goers. And from the time I was old enough and not old enough to see a lot of what Tuts was doing, they would take us to the theater. My parents and my grandparents had season tickets. So they would buy four tickets every year for Tuts. And um, whoever could go, could go. So if my parents were working, me and my sister would go. This often included us seeing shows um, like Cabaret at Tuts at the age of six that we probably shouldn't have seen. But my grandparents never researched before we went. So we grew up going and the theater was a sacred place because we got to dress up and we were adults for the night. And my sister and I grew up thinking we were much older than we were. And um, so we just had this love and this passion for everything theater. And then I went to junior high and I discovered I was a really good writer. I had an eighth grade teacher who um, just poured a a passion into me for the written word. And um, so I decided to make important life decisions in eighth grade, which is when you should make all important life decisions is eighth grade. And I decided that I could make a living easier as a journalist than I could as as a theater person. So I went into high school and I'm a planner, and so everything from the day I hit high school was about being a journalist. Um, I did journalism for four years in high school. I started um, as a sophomore, a column for the Herald Coaster, which is now the Fort Bend Herald, our local paper. I wrote a column every Sunday. It was in the school news section. I was the first one that wrote every week. I was not popular because I told parents things like, hey, report cards are coming home on Saturday. And then my friends were not happy about me sharing yeah, such important you were details. A snitch. I, I was definitely the snitch. <laughs> um, did that for three years. I was editor in high school for two years. 
did UIL journalism, and that, that was my passion. That was my path. Right. I still love the written word. I, I, I write, I blog. Um, I write for myself a lot. Um, so I did that, and then I went to college on a journalism scholarship. Um, I became editor at Sam Houston of a twice-weekly paper, sophomore year in high school, Eat em Up Cats, and um, I mean of college. Um, did that my sophomore year, junior year, I kind of worked for the paper, senior year I went back as, as an editor again, got my degree in journalism, and that's what I was doing. Never, never stopped loving theater, still read theater, still sure. saw everything that my... I wasn't in theater in high school, but the director, Larry Boff, um, was a, a, I call him a mentor, even though I never took a class of his because I watched his work for so many years. Yeah. Both my siblings went through his program, so I, and he's brilliant, and so I got to watch his work for all those years. Um, but I studied journalism, and then I graduated and got a job in Waco, and I did journalism for two and a half years, and it was exhausting, yeah. and it took the love of everything I had in me to write every day because I wasn't writing about things that meant something. Yeah. I was writing about the March City Council meeting. Sure. Um, now I would work things in. One of my mentors, Larry Carpenter, I met because he was a one-act play director at the time and I was like, I'm going to do a story about one-act play because I wanted to go talk about theater with somebody. Right. And later down, years down the road, he would be the reason I became a theater teacher. So I did that for two and a half years and I loved talking to people, hated the job, um, didn't like covering little city politics, and right. I'm also not, I'm not the person that wants to put a microphone in your face after you just lost a child and ask how it feels. Sure. I know how it feels, and it yeah. sucks, and I don't, want, I don't want to make you talk about it. So after two and a half years of the paper, um, the journalism teacher at one of the local high schools was pregnant, and I would always go judge for her. I judged all her UIL contests. And I'd mentioned at some point in conversations sitting around a tab room that yeah, I think I pro I, I want to teach, you know. I don't know when, but I I had always taught. I used to lock my siblings in their bedroom after school and make them do worksheets. Um, they would escape, and I would track them down and make them come back. Um, so my family wasn't surprised that, that I was hitting, leading that way. Well, she became pregnant, and she said, there's going to be an English opening. Go get emergency certified. We're going to hire you to teach English. You can run my program when I'm out. It's a good experience, and then you can go be a journalism teacher. So it just kind of started something. Um, did not get hired there. I got hired at another, um, I got hired at Waco University, which was a phenomenal experience. I got hired into a family. First year I taught all English, freshman and senior English, which was great. Those are kind of my favorite ages. They yeah. know nothing and they know everything. Yeah. Um, they're not, well, they're jerks kind of on both levels, but I love, I love those ages. Second year I picked up journalism and within that, and then um, had befriended Larry Carpenter at that time. He was teaching at the school. He was the theater teacher. And um, so I always hung out with him. We always talked theater. I right. wasn't an assistant directing him at all, but I just, I, I was kind of a groupie at that point. My heart was there. And um, he got promoted to assistant principal my third year at university. And so he told the principal, well, Kendra said she's always wanted to try one-act play. So I think if we asked her, she'd probably do it. So my principal called me in. Um, phenomenal man, one of the best administrators I've ever worked for, um, called me in and said, you want to teach theater? And I said, yeah, but I don't want to teach English anymore. And he said, okay, well, if you pass the test, I'll pay for it. And I said, but I don't have to teach English? And he said, no, you're out. And I said, okay. And so for the next five years in Waco, I taught journalism and theater, did yearbook, newspaper, and then took over that program and built it to my last year. We did like four shows 
This is inner city Waco. Right. Very low socio, phenomenal kids. Our theater wasn't on our campus, so we would load up in two or three cars and drive two miles down the road to do theater every day. Um, but I, that was the start, and I knew that there was magic in working right. with kids to create theater. Um, and then some family stuff happened, and I decided it was time to come home. Um, my family is my life, always had been, always, always. And I, yeah. the timing became right, and that was the year that Travis Springfield judged me in uh, Ennis, Texas. He's at, still judging you. He, he is still <laughs> judging me. Now I pay him lots of money to come judge us. Uh, two weeks from tomorrow, he'll come see our show this year. And um, so we had talked about me being a Houston girl, and I said, I think I want to come home. And so contest was over, and he called me a week later or looked me up and sent me an email and said, I have an opening in HISD. You want to come work for me? And, uh, and that was it, and he brought me home. Um, I thank him for that. My mother has thanked him for that as well. Um, so he brought me home. I spent one year in HISD, loved my kids, loved those kids. I love inner-city schools. Um, I love the passion and the, the experiences you get to give them, the, uh, the, the doors you open for them. Um, and I, I love the kids. The administration didn't love quite so much. Um, and then the position opened up in my school district where I graduated working for my high school principal. And so I got hired back, actually, um, not to my high school, but to the high school that opened up after I graduated, where my brothers had graduated from. I got hired as the head speech and debate coach and as the assistant theater director. And I spent three years working with the incredibly talented Melody Torno and um, and then she went a different direction and I stepped into the head position um, and it has been a whirlwind since and then a year after that we hired my brother as my technical director and um, this past two weeks ago at um, opening night of our musical this year Sound of Music I got to publicly thank our principal for giving us the best gift because working with my brother every day for the past Seven years is truly a gift. Right. I just love everything about working with him. So, How much younger is he? He's seven years. Okay. So he's grown up with me being the boss. Yeah. And it works beautifully. And you, your sister is in the middle? My sister's or? in the middle. And then we have a younger brother, too. So okay. there's actually four of us. Okay. Um, Mr. Tomas used to joke he hired one Willoughby and he got them all. Right. And then he hired the second one and then my parents retired. <laughs> and so um, theater and... and People joke that it really is a family, and it truly is. Yeah. My um, Casey is on payroll, so he builds the sets and creates these playgrounds yeah. that lets our kids just explore, and he lets the kids fail. He lets his tech kids figure it out, yeah. which is beautiful, and in the end, it works out. Um, my sister, who just started teaching, she has a background in history, is finishing her, in the middle of her first year teaching, has costumed for me for the past six years. Is she, is she at the same school or not? No, okay. she's actually in Katy. Okay. Um, but she is, she's a history person, so okay. she is the best she's at... dramaturg. Dra she yeah. is my dramaturg. Yeah. Yeah. My students, I'll say, go put this on, and they go, well, did you approve it with Miss Crystal? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm your director, and yes, I did. So go, but they, they've been trained, that especially... When we did a Vita, period was so important, and sure. every detail was so important. And so our kids, well, did, did Miss Crystal approve this? Yes, yeah. she did. That's great. Um, mom and dad are retired. My mom runs my front of house. Yeah. She sews costumes. She dries a lot of tears. I mean, she's just always there. And then my dad is the man of many Lowe's runs. He steps in when we need help. So it really is a family affair. 
Um, what did your parents retire from? My mom was a nurse. Okay. And then my father was a uh, electrical engineer with Dow Chemical for 39 oh. years. But so, strangely... Also useful. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Which is also, he also helps with the robotics team at right. school because, you know, that makes sense too. But um, they're also arts people, which is funny. I, my dad is a weird mixture of everything that doesn't make sense in one person. Very left brain. He's he's artistic. a brilliant he, yeah. he built billion dollar power plants for a living. That's sure. what he did, designed them, um, and then and then fitted them with parts and all of that. But yet he rides a motorcycle. He's a <laughs> okay. this is his twenty twenty fourth year on the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo Committee. Yeah. Has been all kinds of management there. Loves to karaoke, but loves some one act play. I, I don't know if there is a person in Texas that is more passionate about one-act play than my father. I could name one. Uh, Luis I'd, Munoz. But. Probably. And he's probably <laughs> right up there. At a certain point, my dad used to tell people when he retired he was going to judge one-act play. Um, Did we kind of crushed his dreams when we told him that the theater greed might have helped him. But yeah. um, the, the funny thing is, he would actually be really good. And he... Yeah. At every contest he goes to, he has his program. He marks his best actor, his best actress, or best performers now. Yes. And he marks all of his awards, and he picks advancing shows, and he's usually about 95% right. right. Like, he just... Does he give you feedback, or does he just enjoy the... the, the Hell, he does if we ask for it. Um, my mom and sister give more, right. um, but they see more of the process. My dad doesn't come in till till the end um my dad loves watching the growth like during a one-act season though he loves as we advance and oh i love that that change in 12 minutes in where you you right. did this instead of this um he's a he's a very avid facebooker and so he tells the whole world about everything we do on right. facebook which is pretty amazing but yeah he just he is so loves the theater and it makes no sense is he fair about your shows compared to the shows you're competing oh absolutely with? meaning like he'll say that you didn't have it today kendra no absolutely oh there's there's something about and i think it's a it's a trait of mine and i get it from my parents there's no bullshit at all yeah like there's they're not gonna say we joke about the show we just closed on monday my sister was like this is going to be a really good high school musical. <laughs> like, I think by the time we get to Sunday, we're going to, we're going we're gonna, to, because that's not what we strive for. Right. We strive to give our kids the most amazing experience, and we don't, sure. not that the term high school in terms of a musical is bad, but that's just not the work that we work for. I have an amazing team that I have crafted and built um, that includes my brother and our choir director and a choreographer and all these people that just, it's a team. And so... And then by Sunday, my sister was like, how did we get here? Like, well, we're no longer, this was just good. Like, yeah. so no, my family, there's, there's no the bullshit. I think the term high school could also, um, it's not, it's, it's looked at as negative, but it's also, we have a lot of red tape we have to cut through. Right. Some more than others. I think you're treated fairly well. I'm treated we fairly are, well. We are, yes. Um, so we don't have to cut through as much, but you have some schools that I would love to give you this most professional experience right. you've ever received but yeah we don't have x y and z so we're going to do our best right we're going to work with what we yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. and i've been there i yeah. mean that was my world in waco we yeah. you know and in and, and i miss that world in some ways sure i i miss that world in a lot of ways um i love having the resources we have lamar cist is amazing i had a school board member that came and saw my show at our first student matinee and the night we closed because she said, I just love seeing how much y'all grow in your matinees. Right. That's incredible that I have, well, school board members that A, knows my name, yeah. um, and B, that comes to my show twice. Yeah. Um, 
because our district does support the arts unbelievably. Um, but there, there's, a, there's a magic that comes working when you have nothing. Mm-hmm. You get comfortable with the fact that I can spend this on costumes or I can give my brother this for, to go build the set. Um, where we didn't have any of that right. in Waco uh, or, in, or in HISD. I broke my parents' kitchen table in half trying to get it through an auditorium door at Davis High School. Um, or now, I think it's Northside yeah. now. Whatever it's it is side, now. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, literally, my dad had to, like, put their kitchen table back together. I don't... Wood glue is amazing, apparently, because I literally cracked their <laughs> kitchen table trying to get it in the door because we needed a kitchen table. Uh, so speak on Mo for a second. So you yeah. notorious... There, there are a couple things you're very famous for, I guess. <laughs> Tabs or the IE uh-huh. woman. Uh, you're an avid hiker, and you don't. You're not shy about telling yep. us about that, which is great. Uh, and then Mo. Yes. Your your prize. I mean, like your, your kid. That's the kid. And I have I have one kid that is the kid for me. Yeah. Uh, like that journey, you know, yeah. like because he's grown. And I remember Mo back when he was in high school too, or mm-hmm. seeing him on stage mm-hmm. when he was in high school. Uh, but I don't know the kid. You yeah. Know? Well, now he's not much of a kid anymore. But, yeah. He's a grown up. Uh, yeah, he's a grown up. Yeah. But like, how? How do you? For, there are some teachers out there that don't have that kid. Mm-hmm. That might have been teaching for twenty years that right. just never had that kind of phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, had it, you know, yeah. for lack of better words. But Mo does. Mm-hmm. He, he's very charismatic, very talented, hell of a writer. Yes. Um, smart. Yeah. So smart. What is? What does a kid like that do? For for you, even now, he's yeah. been gone for what four years, five years. He graduated in sixteen, so okay. yeah. So four years. Yeah. What does a kid do like that? For, and and if I can be candid, when he came on that video, yeah. <laughs> other than when your mom came on, yeah. You you I lost you, it. You lost it. Yeah. Um. So he still has an emotional connection. Oh, to he does. You. Well, uh, he's. Muhammad's an incredible young man. He uh, Muhammad Yunus. He's at U of H. Yeah. Um. They lucked out and got him. He had his choice. Yeah. Um. At nationals, he 54 schools were there, 57 schools were there that year, 54 of them called him back. Kid could have gone anywhere in the world. Right. Um, he, um, so we got him as a sophomore, actually. Okay. He, a lot of his primary schooling was in A-Leaf. Okay. Um, he, the, the A-Leaf speech and debate, he wasn't really a, he did some, he was bounced around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was in Lamar for some of junior high, and then ninth grade was in A-Leaf. Um, and so he talks about his coaches. Um, and A-Leaf, his junior high coach, um, and, um, and then, and then Lillian O, um, Lily O as really important people in his life as well. So he came to us as a sophomore and I knew him from the speech and debate world because we competed against him. And this is a young man that, um, got second as a freshman at TFA state in poetry. So his, his path was very, his, his, his talent for storytelling was very powerful from a very young age. So I knew him. So we showed up in our world as a sophomore um, and was really good friends with a lot of our, our theater kids because he had done theater with them in eighth grade. And um, so we were doing Beauty and the Beast, and he tells the story all the time, and I didn't know it until years later. He wasn't going to audition because he hadn't done a musical, and he, what are musicals? I'm a poetry kid. I, I do slam poetry. That's what I do. Um, and he um, was walking down the hall to leave that day, and Dakota um, was like, was, who was a sophomore there, I was like, hey, Mo, come audition for, for Beauty and the Beast. And he was like, hey, you know, I don't, I don't really do musical theater. I don't really know how to sing. And uh, Dakota was like, well, I already filled out your application here. We'll forge your dad's signature. Just go get in the line. Yeah. 
So we did, and we cast him as our da Ark, and we knew very quickly this, this young man was special. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Mo is he's incredibly talented, and nobody will deny that, but he is the most humble, hardworking kid I have ever worked with. Yeah. And so... Is um, that his background? No, his... He comes from... I guess I can say it, because he's he said it in lots of public videos. Um, the arts were never respected in his household. It wasn't something that he um, that he was encouraged to do. His dad was very much, you're going to go into the math or science. That's what you're going to do as, as my son. Um, he struggled with it because that wasn't his passion. He knew from a young age that he had a story to tell and he wanted to tell it. His parents are from Indonesia, so he's got this, this rich, crazy, amazing cultural background he's a devout devout muslim um, man and i've learned so much from that journey in his life of who it makes him and 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 faith in a different way the way he looks at faith and the power of faith um so that's kind of where we pulled him in i think i remember sitting there that year sophomore year thinking because in the heights was about to be released or or new, and I love Lin-Manuel Miranda. I, I followed In the Heights from before it was on Broadway. I, that's, that's my type of theater. I am a, a modern, everything about modern theater is what makes my heart sing. I do what fits my kids. I just close Sound of Music. But that's not what makes my heart sing. I, I do what fits my kids, but right. when those, I just remember sitting there thinking, I, I have a Usnavi. Because right. there's certain shows, when that character walks in your life, you're going to do it. Yeah. Tebe Absolutely. hasn't walked into my life yet, but when Tebe walks into my life, we're doing Fiddler. Yeah. Um, but I remember looking at him as a sophomore thinking, oh, I've got you snobby. Yeah. And, um, and I did. And so soft, junior year, we did um, Once Upon a Mattress, and he decided to do some tech because I, I think his dad was on him about the grades, and he was trying to figure out the academics at that point and everything. And then senior year, we announced in the Heights. Um, we auditioned everybody. We did the normal audition right. process, but there was no question. There was no, everybody in the room knew that he was Yusnavi. Yeah, there, sure. there was no callbacks. I never put anybody else up there for Yusnavi because right. I'm not going to waste anybody's time. Sure. And, and nobody that was in any of those preliminary rooms would have questioned it. Yeah. You just knew you were looking at a star. Yeah. Um, so we did the show, and I, In the Heights was my heart show. Everything about it from the first rehearsal to the night we closed it was magical and amazing and emotional. I lost my grandmother on opening day of the show. Yeah. And so it became more in that, because if you know, the, most people know the story, um, Abuela dies in the second act. Yeah. Um, so, but it came a way for my family to cope. Right. And to grieve, and my mom and I joked that we uh, we buried my grandmother because I think we did eight performances in five days with our student matinees. That we buried my grandmother seven times because <laughs> the eighth time we ran out of time, and so we cut Abuela dying um, for one of our junior high shows. So Abuela lived in one performance. Right. Um, really confused the musical theater kids and that junior high audience that knew the show because yeah. they couldn't understand why, but. Um, we just, we knew it was special. And I think one of the most amazing parts was that um, those kids would have jumped off any bridge for him. Yeah. They believed in him and they, they wanted to follow him. Yeah. The first time we did uh, Alabanza that we blocked it, I 
it was, and I've never had this experience, and I probably never will have it again in my in my career. Um, we, I say, okay, this is where you're going, this is where you're going. We, we block it, and then we run the song. And Mo's singing, and everybody on stage is sobbing. And this is the first time we've run it. I mean, we're not even blocked yet. And the emotion on that stage was so just raw. And Mo has to take his glasses off because they're fogged up, and he can't breathe because he's crying so hard and trying to sing Alabanza. And that was that show that was everything about it. Um, he... He came alive in that experience. But for him, who moved here when he was eight years old, um, talks to his mom, but his mom hasn't, he, he's seen his mom, I think, twice since right. he moved here because his mom stayed in Indonesia. The idea of home and creating home and creating family, to him, was, was everything. Right. Sure. Um, and to us as well. And that probably, in a lot of ways, was where we started the idea that our program is a home. We take those kids in, and we all do as theater educators. We we give the outcasts or the the disenfranchised kids a place, and um, and he was that first that kind of put it into place. So long story short, it was amazing. We we loved the experience. It was the first mega set my brother built. He built me the Broadway set. Um, the ag department welded it. We put it together in like three days because the ag department works on their own schedule. God bless them. Um, <laughs> And I mean, literally, it was like, okay, student matinee's done. Okay, somebody go paint the door. Right. I mean, it, it was just this this crazy experience. So we closed the show, and we cried, and we cried, and we cried, and we cried. And I always use the analogy, shows are like children. And some of them, you never want to go to college. You just want to keep them at home forever. Right. Some of them, their shit's packed two weeks before, yeah. and it's on the porch. And some of them, it's just time. Yeah. And that was the show that I that I never wanted that baby to go to college. Yeah. I just could have, I could I could still be doing it in the Heights with him, and it, it would still be amazing. Um, so we closed it, and we didn't think much of it. We we had never been a Tommy Tune. We'd we'd never been in the a big dog. We never yeah. we never played in that in that pool. Yeah. Um, so we just we did a show. We were passionate about it. We loved it. We moved on, and. Um, Tommy Two nominations came out on the day of District One Act play, which is always super fun. Sure. It was like three years in a row that that happened. So that morning, I had made the kids. We were hosting that year, and I had made the kids get to school at six o'clock and give me all their phones. I had taken phones up because I was like, so, the- so we're not going to let Tommy Tunes ruin. We were doing Water by the Spoonful. Muhammad was my Elliot. It was a show that we were passionate about. And we loved that. That was one of my favorite one acts as well. So I was like, the Tommy Tunes mess is not going to mess with, with this. Right. And then the nominations started coming out. And it was seven nominations later, um, Best Actor, Best Actress, and all this. So at that point, I'm handing phones back out. I'm like, all right, go. we're hot. Call your parents. My brother was running late, and I, I called him crying. What? I know. Well, okay, he, yes, he was running late. But, hey, I do early shift. He does late shift. It's yeah. a perfect marriage. Um, and so... That experience set the world on fire for Muhammad. It gave him a national platform. Yeah. Um, that was the year of the floods that canceled Tommy Tunes. Yeah. So the morning they announced them online. They, they announced them online. So that morning we are at school. The kids are getting ready to come up. Um, school's been canceled. Tommy Tunes is like we're still on, but I, we're, I'm literally on a group chat with my principal, my fine arts director, our assistant, um, assistant. Uh, superintendent and our superintendent because they're all trying to figure out if they're going to let us go downtown 
and Tommy Tunes is still saying we're on because they don't have a backup plan. And City Houston is saying, City of Houston, shut down. Don't come down. Don't come down. So I'm literally get a text. Okay, the district says, okay, you can go. The assistant superintendent is going to go with us. Like, this is how you know you're in a really amazing school district. Because we're not a little school district. We're, we're a five high schools, five, five, eight, six, eight school district. She's going to ride with us. And then my principal is going to drive down and, and switch out with her. So they have an administrator. So if something goes wrong, you know. So we have a whole plan. And three minutes later, I get the text that Tommy Tunes is, is canceling. Um, it was devastating to my yeah. kids um, that were so happy they were going to get to do the show and put a number on the, the, the Hobby Center yeah. stage and to get to live in that world just for another two minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, so then the rain stopped because that's how Houston goes. Yeah. And um, everything had shut down. We were all out of school. Yeah. Everything was canceled. But, hey, the rain stopped. Yeah. The sun came out. And um, I, I remember going to my mom's house because she lives real close to school and just sitting there and crying because I just, I wanted that. For, it has nothing to do. The accolades have never been about me. Yeah. They're all about what is this going to do for my kids and to give them that experience. And I wanted to live in that world for another sure. two and a half minutes either, you know, I, as well. Um, and then one of our students, um, who two years later played my Avita, um, sent out a message and said, hey, my parents said everybody can come over here and we'll watch the results here. Um, her parents had no idea what they were asking for. Um, 70 kids later, yeah. uh, me, my mom, my sister, my choreographer, we all descended and we watched the results and Mo won that night. And I, I hate that he didn't get to do an acceptance speech on yeah. that stage, yeah. but he has told me multiple times that being in the room with the people that gave him that experience was, was way more important. Yeah. So he got to hug us instantly, and we got to cry together instantly, and we got to live in that that moment of joy instantly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and and since then he just took off. We knew from day one his 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 trajectory was going to be straight up. Yeah. Um, he went to the Jimmy Awards, uh, which was a phenomenal experience. Karen Olivia was his mentor, who was in the original In the Heights, yeah. so that he got to like be mentored by someone that he was in the original cast. Um, he won the Spirit of the Jimmy Awards. Um, I remember my whole family went to the Jimmy Awards. It was my dad's first trip to New York. It was pretty cool. Um, we were all there in the third, seventh row or whatever and watched him perform on that stage. And we went to the after party, and I remember talking to the kids, and they, and they were like, you don't understand. There was a group of us that started campaigning to make sure he won the Spirit of the Jimmy Awards, which is the Miss Congeniality Award. Right, it's voted on by the students that are competing. And so we would go up to kids and we would say, well, did, are you going to vote for Mo? And they're like, well, who else would we vote for? Yeah. And apparently somebody later told us that every person there, except for Muhammad, had voted for it Muhammad. It was a unanimous <laughs> decision of every competitor. That's cool. And to me, that is who Muhammad is. Yeah. Um, since then, he, he comes back, he teaches for me. He, anytime I can get onto his schedule, which is rather, which is rather, rather yeah. packed now, um, he, he comes back, he teaches even yesterday in a, in a one act rehearsal, my, my current president was like, Hey, I'm going to teach all this, this technique that Muhammad taught me, um, because I think it'll help us. Yeah. And so his influence, um, in my program is so strong. The kids know him, my kid, my freshmen who were in fourth grade then, you know, know who he is. They, they look up to him. He's, 
He's somebody, um, and he's approachable. Right. He walks in the door, and yeah. this is a young man who did the national commercial for U of H, who opened for Trevor Noah last year, um, and yet he's so humble and approachable that he walks in the door, and my freshman, who didn't see in the heights, you know, right. they don't know him, go up and hug him because he's that person. Right. Um, to me, he's, he's a weird mixture of my son and my little brother. <laughs> Um, we talk all the time. Um, he, so last year, um, I got sick. Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, it was a crazy, crazy couple months of my life. Um, and went through treatment and everything. And then in June, I, um, woke up from a nap, put my feet down on the floor, picked up my phone and had like 47 notifications or something in Facebook. And so I was like, oh, my God, who died? Something's wrong. Um, so I opened it up, and there's a video. And I get a text from Mo, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I should have warned you. What is going on? Um, so I watched this video, and it is um, it was recorded in March when I was in my last week of chemo. And I was home very, very, very sick. Um, and U of H had made finals in the National Collegiate Slam Poetry yeah. competition. And his, poet, his poem was about me. And it was about finding out I was sick and about what I had done. And it is to this day one of the most amazing gifts anybody has ever given me. It is my catharsis video, If I Need to Cry. I literally go into my saved videos and I watch it and I cry it out and we move on with life. Um, and it's funny because I, a former student of mine, um, I had lunch with very not long ago, and she said, "Yeah, I came home to her partner, and I said, I said, here, watch this video." And her partner goes, "Oh, I watched this today. Somebody sent it to me. You know this person?" And Avery said, "Yeah, yeah, that that's Miss Willoughby." And he goes, "Oh, that's that Miss Willoughby." So the video had gone viral on such a level. It's got I, I don't even know 2.1k at yeah. this point. It's got crazy amount of views at this point. Um, but it was just this gift. And, and he was like, I couldn't tell you. He said, I knew I would never be able to do this one with you in the room. Yeah. He said, I would never get through it. Um, he said, um, but it was, it was my way of dealing and coping because I, um, and actually just to tell you who he is, um, I could talk about Mo forever. Um, the day before I told my current students, I called Mo and I said, I need to tell you something. Um, it's going to go public tomorrow. And I, I want you, I'm going to, I'm calling you. You know my grads I'm closest to. You need, I, I need you, you to, to do that. Yeah. I need you to spread it with that group. Um, but I need, I need you to know. And so I told him, and we cried on the phone, and, and I told him, I, I'm not going anywhere. You promised me my, your first Tonys. Mm -hmm. that I, I got to do that. So, like, I'm not going anywhere. Um, so we got off the phone. The next day we called all my kids in. The counselor was there. This whole thing. I'm pretty sure my students thought I was leaving. Right. Um, they knew my brother was directing one act at that point, so they were a little freaked out anyway. Um, so we told him, <laughs> well, not, all, not that he was directing, but they, they thought I was leaving because yeah, yeah. no, why, no. was, why was Miss Willoughby not directing? Um, yeah. And so I told the kids, and we told them like seven minutes before lunch so that they couldn't stay and linger. So we, sure. we told them, they hugged me, they cried, now get out. Yeah, yeah. So I could keep myself together because this yeah. was three days before I was starting five weeks of treatment and everything else. So they all leave, and I turn around, and Muhammad walks on the stage. And he said, I just knew you needed me here today. 
and he put his arms around me and then I cried because I hadn't cried at that point. I had kept it so together for my current students. But there was something about this man and this, this adult that knew in that moment, and he was right. I did need him right then. Um, he's special. And he touches people. I don't and know he... why I asked. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that Am I the first person to make you cry on your on podcast? podcast? Yes! <laughs> I am good. Um, no, actually, Muhammad's that yeah, good is what it yeah. is. He is He is a light. He is a light in this world. Yeah. There is no other way to describe him. And uh, I will always be there. We joke. So, funny story. We've watched him perform in a crack house and on Broadway. Um, him and some friends, or some friends of his at U of H created, started their own theater company. And so they were doing Danny in the Deep Blue Sea. And they cast Muhammad as Danny and another grad as the, the young woman. But they wanted this gritty place to do the show. So they rented an Airbnb on the north side of town. I heard, I heard about this. Yes. That was a, wasn't a good part of town. Right. So I, so my mom and I asked my dad, do y'all want to go? My mom, of course. My mother mows her grandchild, doesn't miss anything. And dad was like, yeah, dad's always up for theater, you know. And I said, mom, are you sure? Like, Danny's a hard role. Do you, this, do you want to, are you okay seeing Mo be nasty and horrible and, yeah. and that, you know? And mom's like, yeah, no, it's good. I can do this. And I said, and I said, where's it at? And I said, oh, it's probably a warehouse or something is what I'm expecting. Yeah. So we put the GPS in, we go, and they had sent out all these reminders about don't leave anything in the car that's valuable, <laughs> you know, hide all about you and all this. So we pull up to the address and it's a house in the middle of this neighborhood. And we're like, all right, well, this is interesting. And they're out there parking us in the grass. So we park and we go in. It's an empty house. It smells like old cigarettes and marijuana mixed together. There's no air conditioning. The, the, the window unit says that it's 88 in there. This is July in Houston, wow. or June in Houston. Um, they've got two couches and some, a couple folding chairs and a bunch of pillows, you know, very 60s yeah. commune. Yeah. And so we're the first ones there, and these college kids are looking at us like, well, who are these old people yeah. that are here to see this, you know? And um, so we grab chairs, because I'm way too old to sit on the floor, as are my parents. And then, and then one of the other... Uh, kids that started the company's parents get there and then his grandparents get there so there's my parents and and then their parents were a little bit younger and me the middle age and then all these college kids starts coming in and so my mom jokes that there's like college kids sitting on her feet because we're all crammed in here and then the show starts and it's brilliant but this is this is really probably was a crack house that they had listed on airbnb um it was brilliant and beautiful and then, like, two days later, we're watching him perform with the Houston Symphony Orchestra at White Oak Hall. <laughs> so my, my dad loves to tell the story about, you know, yeah. watching Mo perform in a crack house. And then 48 hours later. And 48 <laughs> hours later, you know. And so um, the kid will change the world. Yeah. The other thing is he's a beautiful, brilliant teacher. I tell him all the time, you will never starve. You yeah. will never have to wait tables. You will be a guest artist. You will yeah. teach. Um, slam poetry or whatever it is he works with right about now in the schools and he has a heart he just loves everything about teaching um so yeah so he's he has changed my life and that he just makes it a better place i think we need to do this again <laughs> this second time uh -huh. not like this whole interview right. over again right I'm not joke different joke than what i just <laughs> gave adam <laughs> but 
let's stop this here uh-huh. and let's do this again because there are going to be people in this world that want to hear about the thespian board member right, Kendra absolutely. Uh, and the hiking Kendra. Yeah. You know, there's so many uh, levels to your you. character and personality and just what you do. Um, so, but I don't want to trump Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's no trumping that. It's yeah. it's it is the sto- it is the defining story of my career yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and that's not to and say, that's okay. and that's not yeah. to say that I haven't taught. I I have phenomenal kids doing yeah. phenomenal things everywhere. Yeah. Um, one of my grads is the current Duke Law, like editor in chief. Yeah. Like, he just he defined me as a theater educator. Yeah. I think as educators we always question: Are we good enough? Yeah. Are we doing the right things? Are we making the right choices? Um, I joke all the time that I just don't screw them up. Right. I may teach them a thing, but I get them where they need to be, and I give them the opportunities, yeah. and they make the magic happen. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that Muhammad. He was brilliant when he came to me. Um, but he is that that thing I go back to when I wonder, am I doing enough? Yeah. Um, am I teaching the right things? Um, and he reassures me yeah. again and again and again that, that I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah. That, you know, because he's going to take what he's learned and just continue to change the world You're with it. Do that. Yeah. And so, that's awesome. It's pretty awesome. Thanks, Kendra. So, thank Minor you. wisdom.